if you learn learn to be quiet or something like that instead of putting money in it. So maybe we ought not put a tip jar. But I was hoping you would get that. Uh, just kidding. Thank you so much, Scott, for your thoughtfulness. Well, somebody this morning said that maybe the Roomba is what gets the Pentecostal churches going and bumps them in the feet and they go, Woo, praise the Lord, or something like that. So I I don't know. Somebody mentioned that. So it could be true. Um, Anyway, we have new equipment, not toys. Okay, um, I'll take a moment. If you've if you got a bulletin, or if you didn't, be sure and get one because uh, it's getting busy. There's a lot going on in the next um, three to four weeks. It looks like so, uh, five weeks. So we've got a men's prayer breakfast next Saturday morning at eight o'clock. Uh, on the thirtieth, there's the is be the first fifth Sunday of the year carry in dinner, or I would guess that's carry in lunch for us. Uh, real hicks from the sticks but um, uh, that's the first fifth Sunday I don't know any other details about that uh, February the 11th the Valentine Banquet at 6pm and February the 19th the Winter Ladies Meeting at 2pm and of course outreaches at 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings and Thursdays 7 p.m., the ABCs to Christian Maturity. I imagine we'll probably pick that back up this Thursday evening. Uh, So we're back in gear and off and running for 2022. And our theme is Here My Send Me, right? So, okay. Uh, Keep all those in mind. And you may have known things I'm not aware of. Okay, this evening, we're going to do a short (laughs) character study. One of my favorite characters of the scripture. Uh, We're going to talk about Caleb this evening. Did a little research, and uh, his name means dog. I first looked up on the internet, and it sent me to Encyclopedia Britannica, and I thought, Hmm. So I went to my trusty Strong's concordance, and it says dog. But Strong's did expand upon that quite a bit. He he said that it's more like a yelp to attack. And I thought, hmm, now that's more fitting for Caleb, because he would have, I would have thought, an aggressive personality. Uh, to be willing to do what he did... Um, and to accomplish what he did, I would guess he was one of those aggressive type people, and I don't remember which one of the uh, four things that is, but anyway. Um, so we're going to talk about him for a, a little bit. One thing on the internet also said, well, that could have been, and I don't, there's a term for it, and I forgot what it was called, but I put down mascot. You know, each clan or each tribe has a animal or shield or whatever. And I'm thinking, I don't really think that would 
have fit too well, and maybe they did have those, but I'm not aware of that from the tribes of Israel. Um, I know in later years there was a lot of that and still is to this day, but um, back then I'm not real sure, and especially the term dog, because that wasn't a good term for the Jewish people. So they, uh, they call the Samaritans and other groups dogs. So I don't think they'd call themselves one. But so it's the meaning of its name, at least. So let's start in Joshua chapter 14. That's where we'll kick off this evening. And we'll talk about him for a little bit. With all this technology, I think I'm going to have to start having them put my verses up on the screen like they do elsewhere. Because it's getting harder and harder for me to turn the pages and get where I need to go. Joshua chapter 14, we'll begin reading verse 12, or to read verse 12. Now therefore, give me this mountain, wherefore the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And what, what, a, what a speech in just those few words. Uh, I'm sure everybody remembers the Anakims were the big guys. They were somehow related to Goliath's family. They were tall people and large and strong. They weren't necessarily a huge group, but they were a force of their own. And they were up on the mountain. And that in itself poses a whole new problem of trying to climb uphill and fight a battle at the same time. The people above you have almost every advantage. And Josh and Caleb said, here in verse 12, he said, it doesn't matter. He said, the cities are great and fenced, but if so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. This is probably the key thing about Caleb was that he believed what God said. He didn't doubt it for a second. And not only did he not doubt it, but he was willing to put forth whatever effort it took to accomplish that. Now, there are probably a lot of us that believe it, but we're not always quite so eager to put forth the effort to see it accomplished. You know, I'm, I'm great for cheering people on. I, I like to sit in the bleachers and holler at the athletes or holler for the athletes if it, if it works out that way. But uh, I, I'm not so much one to go out there on the field, especially I don't want to anymore. Uh, and I had to quit that years ago. But that's the difference with Caleb versus a lot of other people. And it's obvious uh, in the things that we'll look at. In, uh, let's look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 quickly. And then we're going to go back to the Old Testament and we'll be there most of the time. Romans 15, 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And so we're, we're given 
these stories in the Old Testament, as the verse just told us in Romans, to encourage us, to give us comfort, to give us hope, and with patience, we know that we can accomplish. And that's, that's another thing about Caleb. He was, as most people are, a mixture of things. But he, he had to be an aggressive person in many ways, and yet he had patience. And that's not a combination you see real often. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm going to tell on him, and he can hear me if he's watching. But the pastor is that way in construction. He, he doesn't have a lot of patience. He gets aggressive with stuff, and then he just starts ripping it apart. And I'm going, well, wait a minute. And he goes, did you want to save that? And I'll go, not anymore. Because <laughs> I can't put it back together. But it, it's just the way we're, that's the way we're, we're made, and, and we're wired. And we get a lot of that genetically, and then some of it comes with experience. And uh, but he's real good. He doesn't tear up hardly anything uh, that we don't want tore up. And I, and I love it when it's a demolition just to stand back and go, okay, show me that you're still young and you're strong. Because that's what he wants to do. So I just let him go and then I go, okay, that's great. Now let's put it back together very patiently. And uh, it, we make a great team. I've heard other carpenters talk about that, that you need both kinds. You need somebody that just wants to jump in there and tear up everything, but you need someone that works on the details and makes it look just right when you're done. And so we make a, make a good team, even though we're both left-handed. That's kind of unusual, too. Um, it, it works out well. And Caleb was that type of guy. He was, he was aggressive, obviously, and yet he had patience to wait upon the proper time, but do what he needed to be doing in the meantime. I tend to be a procrastinator. I know what needs to be done, and I'll think about it, and I'll think about it a lot, but a lot of times I'll wait to do the preparation until just before it's time to get something accomplished, and that's not really the best way. Thinking about it's good, but preparing as the time comes is much better, saves a lot of extra stress as well in life. And so Caleb had some of the best combination that we'll see anywhere. And there's a reason for that, too. And we'll read a verse that tells us about that in, uh, in a little bit. Caleb is making a request of God back in Joshua 14, 12. And he's telling or saying, now, therefore, give me this mountain. Why does Joshua or Caleb say this? I'm going to confuse them back and forth. I know because it's the book of Joshua, but it's Caleb we're talking about. And yet they work very closely together. Let's look in verse uh, chapter 15, verse 13 of Joshua. There it says, and unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And so this was promised to Caleb many years before it ever happened. And, and that's, that's Steve's pronunciation of these Hebrew names. So uh, you may know that they sound different than that, but that's the way they come out of, of my mouth anyway. And so um, just just go with me there, if you will, uh, on the names. I do the best I can. In this verse, we note 
that Caleb is receiving his inheritance to the promised land. And this is more than 40 years after that promise was made. And I've, of course, a lot of you couldn't relate to that in any form or fashion because you're not even 40 years old. But for some of us who are well beyond 40, I think back about that. I think, okay, what was going on 40 years ago in my life? Now, I've been married to Miss Carlene for six years by then. And so we had two children, two small children. Um, that would have been in 1981. I'm trying to think where we even lived back then. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Um, but I'm thinking about that. Have I waited 40 years for something to, to happen that I had planned on or had been promised? You know, it's, it's interesting. And so if you, you can't do that, then think forward. Say, okay, have I been promised something that I may have to wait 40 years to see this happen? Or what would it be like? It's, it's very interesting uh, to spend a little time thinking about a 40-year promise. Now, that when I was young, uh, just a kid, I remember uh, a family in the church. This lady attended regularly, and her husband was lost. And he started attending church uh, occasionally. And once, <laughs> one Sunday morning, they were sitting back on this side, and he'd come forward during the invitation and uh, at, to a kid especially, it was hilarious because she was ex so excited. She was walking right behind him, just slapping him on the back about every second going, Amen, praise the Lord. And, and to a kid, it was like, whoa, because we didn't see that in a conservative Baptist church. But she beat him all the way to the front of the building. And uh, he trusted Christ that day. Uh, and it was a wonderful thing. But come to find out, she'd been praying for him for over 30 years. And the church had too, uh, the ones that had been in the church that long. And so, you know, how long do we wait for some things? Do we have the patience to wait for the things that God promises us? And some here, I'm sure, uh, will pray for years for some of their families. Maybe not a spouse, but a child uh, to turn to the Lord or turn back to the Lord. Uh, there's so many things that we can apply to this thought, and it can be, it can be our spiritual mountain, uh, very possibly. But he was w willing to wait with patience for that and yet completely be prepared for it when the day came. Um, in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, I don't think we'll turn there. It's spaced out a lot, and I don't want to take too much time. But those are the background on Caleb. Um, his life is worthy of study and imitation. We can see there that God gave him the mountain for a purpose. We will look at the first three verses of chapter 13. Excuse me. Numbers 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. 
And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And so the next verses list them. The rest of chapter 13 tells about what, what went on. And all my life I've sat in church and heard about the 12 spies. But, you know, it just kind of hit me uh, in the last 24 hours or so. They went in undercover. How many people go in undercover? We have a good friend that was an undercover police officer for many years, or I should say law enforcement, not necessarily police, uh, for many years. And, you know, once in a while we would see him somewhere and, oh, yeah, hey, how are you doing? And then the next time you see him, you go, is that? Yeah, that's him because his hair was about this long and he had a beard. And I'm going, is that really? Yeah, that's got to be him. And then when he spoke, of course, I recognize his voice. And then the next time you see him, he'd have a burr and be in a uniform. And, you know, oh, okay, yeah, I know who you are. But it, it was just so interesting. But I think about that. These guys were, they went in as spies into a hostile land. All 12 of them. And it wasn't a good a good place to be because they were pre-hated. I'll put it that way. Uh, nobody wanted them coming. They were all scared of them because God had put fear in their hearts. And when people get afraid, most of them either fight or flight. And these people, this was their homes they were fighting for. And they weren't going to just walk away from them. And so these guys go in, as we well know, and it's amazing what they find. Yeah, the guys are 10 feet tall and, and everything. Oh, no. They, they found clusters of grapes that it took two men to carry just one on a stick between them. They found the, the land of milk and honey. But when they came back, we know how the story goes. No, 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 we can't do this. But what did Caleb do? Caleb goes, hey, wait a minute. Once again, here's the guy who's the attack dog. He's not going to sit back and listen. What would you have done if 10 of the guys had gone, no, we can't do that. It's too, it's too dangerous. We just, we're not able. They hate us and we look like little bitty grasshoppers to them. We just, would you have stood up and said, wait a minute. I don't know. Wouldn't, none of us were there, so we don't know what we would do. My natural thing would be just to sit back and go, okay, they've already decided, so my vote doesn't matter. That's oftentimes what we do when it comes to politics. It's oftentimes what we do when it comes to uh, things within our family, especially in the larger family group. Sometimes it happens in the church. Well, that group spoke, so I'm not going to speak up. But not Caleb. He wasn't going to be quiet about it. He spoke up and he said, no, we need to do this now, right now. He was ready, prepared. So was Joshua, of course. Um, backing up a little bit, Caleb was a respected leader. How did he become that? Out of those tribes? I mean, at this point, 12 tribes, we estimate three to four million people. And he's one of the 12 top people in that whole group, he had something about him, didn't he, that everybody respected. You didn't just assume the leadership of a group. You got put there some way. 
And so Caleb was a man who was willing to step forward. Obviously, he was faithful and dependable, or he'd have never gotten to that position to start with. But he wasn't going to be quiet about what was right either, because he was a man of a different spirit. Verse um, 30, let's see, 21 of chapter 13. It says, so they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob as men of Ham, as they men come to Hamath. So that talks about where they went. It was a dangerous assignment. Uh, he didn't have a spirit of fear. That's what Second Timothy chapter one and verse seven tells us that we're not to have a spirit of fear. The Bible also tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He he wasn't that way. He wasn't real. It wasn't that he wasn't sure. He was very sure and very forthcoming about it. And he was willing to step forth and go forth. And, I mean, he was a leader of one group, but he was willing to step forth as a leader for the whole group. He was willing to speak for all 12 tribes if necessary, but he did have one person that stood with him, so it was two for the 12 tribes. Um, He was dedicated to the cause And in verse 27 of chapter 13, it says, They told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. He was was committed to God. He was committed to the mission that they had been given. He wasn't willing to get up or give up, excuse me. He was ready and, and wanted to go forward. And dedication to the cause of God is essential to happiness and success in life. It doesn't mean life will be easy, but it's essential to happiness being dedicated to the cause of Christ. And he was an optimist. When 10 said no, he said, oh yeah, uh, we can do it. Verse 20, uh, let's see, verse 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And Caleb wasn't being a politician here. He wasn't just speaking words to get elected or to to have an effect happen. Caleb knew the capabilities of the children of Israel. And he knew the power of God and what God had done for them and with them as they came out of Egypt and he said, we can do this. This is not, not a problem. But obviously, the vast majority didn't want to. And so what did they risk? Yeah, they, him and Joshua basically risked dying because they were about to stone them because they didn't want to do it. They lifted up their voice in chapter 14 and verse 1 and cried. And the people wept that night. They murmured against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said, oh, I wished that we just died in Egypt. I, those type of things still get me to this day after all this time of seeing these past verses and passages. How do people get to the point that they think they'd have been better off back like that? Um, Egypt was type of the world and the children of Israel said we'd be better off in the world than we are serving the Lord 
I, I don't understand how God's people can get to that point, whether it be how many ever thousand years ago or whether it be today, but it happens, unfortunately. Um, you know, just a side note here, I did a little bit of math over the years and looked at some numbers that some people had crunched as well. Right after this, of course, they're going to start the 40 years of wandering, and Caleb's going to have to wait on his promise. <clears throat> and all the people that are 20 years and older are going to have to pass away before the young group, which will be full-grown adults by the time that happens, get to go in. But if the math is fairly close, um, not counting the special times when the serpents killed several thousand and several were swallowed, several hundred were swallowed when the earth opened up, you know they had to have average 90 to 150 people every day die for that group to die off in 40 years. That, to me, is a, that's hard for me to wrap my head around. But that many people, and that many people had to pass away, on average, it worked out to 100 or more people passing away every single day. Not a thing in the Scripture says how that was all handled. But I have to wonder, how did, how did they deal with that? What did they do about that? Because it was people's families, um, and so, anyway, that's a side note. It's for free. Hope I didn't get too far off there. But you can, you can think about that and give me your, give me your thoughts on it sometime. <clears throat> so Joshua and Caleb were outnumbered, obviously. Caleb said in verse 30 of chapter 13, let's go up. The negative spirit kills faith very quickly. But Caleb always trusted the Lord. In chapter 14, let's read of... Uh, Numbers, let's read verse 8. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. So he was still positive, still saying we can do this. And this was the next day. This wasn't when they came back that first day and gave the report. Because we read there in the in, uh, first couple, three verses of chapter 14 that they had a day, had a night to think about it. I imagine a lot of them didn't sleep much, and the next day they're going, hey, wait a minute. And Joshua says, we can, or Caleb says, we can still do this. We need to go. Verse 9 said, rebel not against the Lord, for they are bred for us. And I'm just reading parts of it. And the last part of verse 9 says, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. We do not have to be afraid when the Lord is with us. And if we're living for him, he's always with us. And we don't need to be afraid. Caleb was also a man of courage. In verse 10 of chapter 14, he said, All the congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. He... Um, he was a man of courage. He didn't back down, and they were fixing to stone them. Um, his life, his faith was on the line, but he still didn't back down. He reminds me very much of a man named Daniel. Uh, 
three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stayed faithful. And Caleb was the very same way. He didn't back down different circumstances, different time. In fact, in some ways, I, I see Caleb's situation as harder than the others because it was the enemies of God that were going to destroy Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was God's people that were going to stone Caleb and Joshua and Moses and Aaron for standing for what was right and for what God had instructed them to do. Those kind of things, those are hurtful. If you haven't experienced those type of things in life, I, I pray that you never have to because those are truly hurtful. Uh, but he stayed, he stayed faithful. What was Joshua's key to success? The book of Joshua chapter 14 and verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren, this is Caleb speaking, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. That's quite a statement to be able to say that with his whole heart, he followed God. He didn't turn aside left or right. He didn't back up. He didn't back down. He didn't quit. He completely followed and he just kept going forward. Then in verse 14 of that chapter, it says mostly the same thing. It said, Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. While others were doubting and, and saying, oh, we'd be better off if we'd died somewhere else, we, we can't do this. He just kept moving forward. And Caleb and Joshua followed God. And it's the same for us today to have success in the Lord's work. Let's look at John chapter 8 and verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If we know the truth, if we stand for the truth... It will make us free. Now, that is exactly a true statement. It may cause, it may cause problems. Uh, it's caused a lot of Christians to lose their lives, to stand for the truth, but they're still free. And we have freedom in Jesus Christ, and that only, it's only in the truth. And then in uh, Proverbs 23... And verse 23, it says, buy, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. So once we have the truth, once we buy the truth, once it's ours, then we're not to get rid of it. We're not to turn loose of it. It's the pearl of great price, one of the, um, yeah, whatever they're called. Uh, it's something that we seek for and once we have it, we would never turn loose of it. That's, that's what it's telling us there. Once we have the truth, we know the truth, then we live the truth. We hold on to it. And then in Revelations chapter 2 and verse 10, 
It says, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. And this is the uh, church of Smyrna, the letter to the church of Smyrna. That ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Joshua or Caleb didn't back down, and we shouldn't back down either. We should stand for the truth, no matter the cost. We, um, it's one of those things that to me is interesting. We expect it of our missionaries in foreign countries. We expect them not to give up, not to back down. Uh, but oftentimes we're not quite as hard on our own selves. We're willing to maybe flow a little bit with society or, or take up some new, new ways that we haven't done before. But we're, we're much harder on those that are in other places, I've noticed. It, it tends to be that way so often. Um, that's just what I see. But it did, Caleb stayed the same no matter where he was, no matter who was there. And uh, he, he didn't change at all. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24, he said, And now behold, I go unto my people. And this, is, this isn't Caleb speaking, but it's, uh, it's Balak. And he said, I go unto my people, come therefore, and I will advertise thee what this people shall do to thy people in the latter days. In other words, Stand, come, come and listen, come and hear. And that's what uh, Caleb said. Come on, let's go. Let's do what's right. Let's don't stop. Let's don't back down. There weren't very many that listened. The leaders didn't listen. The majority didn't listen. The young people didn't have a say whether they would have listened or not. But it ultimately... It was the young people who were then in their 50s and 60s who went into the promised land because God kept them alive and the ones that refused, the leaders that refused to go, um, they suffered terribly for that 40 years of wandering. It's also interesting to me, geographically speaking, the trip from where they started in Egypt to where they ended up ultimately 40 something years later was only less than a month's travel. It was, I mean, for 4 million people to walk, it was quite a trip, but it wasn't very far. Not, not as far as the crow flies or as the trail goes, but it took them over 40 years to get there. It's a sad story, and yet Caleb is one of the bright lights of that story. Yeah, I guess Caleb was an attack dog. He didn't quit, didn't give up, wasn't afraid of the Anakims, not one bit. He, uh, his daughter married, I, I had his name, but I don't have it written down, and it's about that long. Uh, but he took part of the rest of that mountain, too. It, it was just a, a family tradition to take on the big guys take on the giants and not give up. And God blessed them mightily. And obviously Caleb is one of the big names in the scripture. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer and be dismissed. Father, thank you for the privilege to be here this evening. Lord, thank you for men like Caleb who are a testimony and a witness to their faith to you. Lord, help us to be faithful to you and to live for you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word and for Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Lord, help us to remember what all has been done for us and how that we in turn should tell others about your great gifts to us. Lord, just be with the many ones in our church that are sick, many that are traveling. Lord, please bring them all safely back to us. Lord, just help us to live for you and serve you. Thank you for each one who's here tonight and thank you for our church, Lord. And I pray you forgive me of my sins and shortcomings. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.